Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church Conway. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 17 through 26. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. I'm going to read this passage so we can get the lay of the land for us. And then we're going to walk through this passage together. The word of the Lord says to us, On one of those days while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem. And the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just, as then, just then some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But perceiving their thoughts, Jesus replied to them, why are you thinking this in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your stretcher and go home. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Then everyone was astounded, and they were giving glory to God, and they were filled with awe and said, We have seen incredible things today. Let's pray one last time. Father, I pray as we expound upon your word, you would challenge our hearts, you would transform our hearts to look more like you. Lord, I pray that we would be challenged to point others to Jesus who forgives. God, we give you thanks and praise in Christ's name. Amen. You know, late 1700s, there was a man named George Lyle who was born a slave and became a Christian, became a follower of Christ, not forced, not coerced. He heard the glorious truth that Jesus saves, that he forgives. And Lyle became a follower of Christ. Lyle loved Jesus immensely and he was given his freedom years and years later. But Lau loved the Lord so much and loved people so much that he did something that I don't think many of us would do at all. He put himself back into slavery to go to Jamaica to preach the gospel to slaves in Jamaica. It's because of Lau's efforts that it's been said that his work and his efforts there in Jamaica have led to the reason why other missionaries went years later and saw such a harvest of Jamaicans coming to faith in Christ. It was the good news of Christ that led Lyle to go. It was the, the knowing and understanding that Jesus is the one who forgives that led him to go and proclaim the message of the kingdom. George Lyle actually was the first Baptist missionary in America. Lyle was willing to go where those who were in need of the gospel needed to hear Jesus forgives. When we look at our text today, we see something very similar. We see men who are willing to take a friend to the healer, to the one who forgives. 
When we look at verse 17, the first thing we see is this, the Lord has the power to heal. One of those days the Bible says he was teaching the kingdom of God, the Lord's power was there to heal. In this account, we have several characters that tie into the bigger picture of what Jesus is doing. We have Jesus, we have the Pharisees, we have the crowd, and we have the paralyzed man and his friends. First, we see that Jesus is teaching. We see that Jesus began his ministry by preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. A message that every person must repent, that they must turn from their sin, they must turn from their old ways into a new way, this new way of life, of following after him. The notoriety of Jesus was based on his teaching and preaching. His miracles authenticated his very message of the kingdom. And guess who took note of Jesus? The Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were one of the religious elite groups of the day. They believed in the resurrection of the dead. They were devoted to the law, not just the Old Testament law, but the law put in place by the rabbis as well. So here comes Jesus, whom it was said was different than the scribes and Pharisees. In fact, in Matthew 7, 29, it says, he taught as one who has authority and not like the scribes. So Jesus was distinguished even in his teaching, let alone his miracles. The Gospel of Mark tells us that the town Jesus was proclaiming the kingdom in was a town of Capernaum. It was here that the apostle Peter lived and here that Jesus also healed Peter's mother-in-law. We find that story in Luke 4, 38 and 39 where Simon Peter's mother-in-law was ill. She had a fever. Jesus steps in, heals her, and she gets right back up and serves them. It was also in Capernaum where he set free those who were demon-possessed. And now he returns and he's teaching the message of the kingdom of God. Teaching men that they must repent, that you must turn and you must place your faith and trust in the one who has come. The one who is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now this message is no different today. We proclaim the same message and we call people to faith in Christ that he is the one who can forgive. He's the one who can set free. Now in this meeting, as Jesus is preaching and teaching, the Pharisees are there. Now they had come for one purpose. The one purpose they came was to destroy the ministry of Christ. They could hear something that could stop his ministry to the people. Why? Well, the Pharisees were keepers of the law. Their entire job was to protect the law, was to protect the holiness of God. So if someone was saying they were speaking on behalf of the Lord, they were getting involved. Second, they knew many people started coming after Jesus, started following after him, and their influence began to wane a little bit. You could say they had a little jealousy there. They saw what Jesus was doing and they could not combat or come against what he was doing in his miracles and even in his teaching. The Bible says that at this moment in the meeting, the power of God was there to heal. 
Now Acts 10.38 actually gives us the reason why Jesus had this power to heal. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, you know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with the power and how he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. This entire account here shows that Jesus is indeed who he says he was. That he is both God and man. That he is the Messiah. That he is the one who can heal. He is the one who can forgive. And it is through him and him alone that we can have our sins forgiven. So the stage is set for God to show his mighty power. That he was the only one with the authority and power to heal. The only one with the authority and power to forgive. See in that room... The experts of the law, the Pharisees, would have said, well, the answer to every person is what we have. And their answer was simply this, continue to keep the law. Continue to try to earn by your own best efforts your way to be made right with God. Yet Jesus steps on the scene and says, no, I am the one who's come to fulfill the law. I'm the one who live and am going to live the life you could never live. I'll die the death that you deserve and I will rise again and on the third day show that I am indeed the Messiah. He is the Lamb of God that can take away and has taken away that curse of sin and we find forgiveness in him when we place our faith and trust in him alone. And so we see Jesus has the power to forgive. He has the power to heal But not only that, in verse 18, we see others being led to the healer. Even for us, we should be thinking the same thing as well. We should be thinking that we need to lead others to the healer. We've been healed ourselves. We've been forgiven ourselves. And so we want to lead others to this healer as well. The Bible says in verse 18, Just then some men came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed, and they tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Now imagine the crowd of people all clamoring to hear the words of Jesus. We must remember this is not like anything they've experienced before. This is a a supernatural moment in time that they're experiencing. This is not a normative thing that they're seeing. This is something unique and different because this is the one who has come and been sent from the Father. The scripture tells us that as these men came carrying this paralyzed man, they could not get in the room to Jesus. Now in our minds, we can understand why they would want to see Jesus. Why? Jesus was there. He had healed Peter's mother-in-law. He had performed other miracles. He had set the captives free. And now he's back. So these men were no fools at all. I'm just imagining what the conversation was like maybe weeks prior to this. Maybe they're in their friend's home and they're all hanging around. They begin to talk about this man, Jesus. And maybe the conversation went something like this. Man, have you heard how Jesus healed this person? Have you heard how Jesus set them free from this demon? And I'm just sure if we can get you to Jesus, he can heal you as well. Maybe they begin to think about, could this be the one who is the Messiah? So these men set out to go to the house where Jesus was teaching, yet they didn't go alone. 
They didn't go and venture out and say, well, let's kind of see it for ourselves. No, they were desperate to bring their friend who was in need of healing before Jesus. Notice they could have made their way alone. But you know, when you love someone, you desire to see them made whole. See, when you know and understand the grace and mercy of God, and if it wouldn't have been for the grace and mercy of God that was shed abroad on your life, you want others to experience that mercy as well. You know, for some of us, we get saved for a good little while. We begin to follow Christ for a good little while. And all of a sudden, we get, get these thoughts in our head to something like this. Well, you know, Jesus, when you saved me, all you really did was just dust me off a little bit. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't that bad, Lord. You just kind of cleaned me up a little bit. No, my friends, we were filthy in our sin. Deserving of the punishment Yet Christ took it on himself. No, my friends, we were the worst of the worst. And if it wouldn't have been for the grace and mercy of God, where would we be? You want to know how Christians can show compassion and love to the broken and the outcast and the downtrodden? We know that we were there as well. And it's God's grace that has sustained us. And so these men then decide to press through the opposition. Verse 19, since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Do you imagine them walking up to this house that so many people are clamming around and everyone's outside there and they can't get in? Imagine if you showed up to church one day and it's so packed that you can't even get in. This was the picture there. And what did they desire? They desired to get their friend to Jesus. And so what happened? They tried to bring him in. They tried to sit him down before him, but it was too many people. Now, they could have said, you know what? This is just too much work. We're going to go ahead and go home. We're just going to go ahead and give up. But desperation leads you to do desperate things. And they were desperate for God to move in their friend's life. Many of us can identify with that. Maybe there's a person you've been praying for. Or maybe there's something you've been giving towards. Or, or, or some, something that you are just believing God for. That God can do and what only he can do. In fact, James 5.16 says this. The intense prayer of the righteous is very powerful. Often we can face opposition when we're praying for those who need Christ. And maybe they don't respond. Maybe you invite your friend to church and they don't come with you. Maybe they reject your full-out offer of the saving grace of Jesus. Yet we don't give up. We don't grow weary in well-doing. We trust the Lord that he can indeed heal. He can indeed forgive. You know, church planning in New Orleans is not an easy task. And I'm pretty sure if I surveyed the room, I'm pretty sure everyone in here has heard all kind of great things about New Orleans, right? It's a very hard place. You have to be willing to go that extra mile to see someone come to know Christ. It's like that in any place we find ourselves, that we are going to face opposition. But it is worth it for the glory of God. These men trusted that if they could get their friend to Jesus, that 
his mighty power could heal him. What did they see? That Jesus is the only one who can heal. What they didn't know is that Jesus is not just the only one who can heal. He's the only one who can forgive. See, they didn't know that in the moment. They only saw that he was going to heal. They had no idea what was going to happen next. They couldn't find a way to get through the crowd. But to these men, a crowd was not enough to stop them from getting to Jesus. As they climbed up on that roof. They hoisted their friend up there. And they began creatively removing roof tiles. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if I had my roof tiles removed from my house, I'd be pretty upset. Are you moving stuff? You're making my home uncomfortable for me? Sometimes we can take that same attitude within the body of Christ. Lord, do you really want to save those type of folks? Lord, do you really, you, Lord, you, Lord, you, I don't really understand your plan, God. You want to bring those type of people into the church? My brothers and sisters, the moment we think those type of folks, we need to remember we are those type of folks. See, the thing that I've learned, especially being in the city like New Orleans, you can be blue, you can be brown, you can be this, you can be that. As long as you're breathing, I want to proclaim Christ to you. Because the Lord saves whom he wills for his glory. And that is a story that we stand on as Christians. This is most likely the house of a wealthy person. It's big enough to hold all these people. And one with tiled roofs. What we see are these men expecting a miracle from the Lord. They knew that if they could just get their friend to Jesus, the rest would be taken care of. So they removed the roof tiles one by one simply to lower their friend down before Christ. These men were looking for their friend to be healed but got so much more because the Bible said, says they lowered him on the stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Do you imagine being in that crowd? And all of a sudden seeing this man being lowered down and Jesus proclaiming over him, you are forgiven. Whose faith did he see? Was this man forgiven by proxy? Well, no, it was his faith, also the faith of his friends as well. Now we should ask the question, and we could ask the question, why would the Lord say your sins are forgiven? We remember who was in the room, right? It was the Pharisees who were there. And what were they there for? To pick apart the ministry of Christ. How do we know this? Look at their response to what he says. Then the scribes in verse 21, and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, who is this man who speaks what? Blasphemies. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. And he knew exactly what he was saying. It is interesting that people often make the claim that Jesus never claimed to be God. Yet we see very clearly from this text here, he's making a very emphatic statement that he is indeed God. Because he is indeed the one who can forgive sins. 
And what do they say? Who can forgive but God alone? And they are correct. One writer remarked, if no human being can forgive sins, if God alone can forgive sins, and if Jesus is able to forgive sins, what does this then imply? I'm thankful that Jesus forgives because I have been forgiven. And many of us in this room have been forgiven by Christ. Jesus knew what they were thinking. He had insights on their thoughts. That alone should tell you who Jesus is. Now anyone can say, hey, you're, you're forgiven. Even today, people walk into booths and hear someone say, well, your sins are forgiven. But how do you know what qualifies that person to forgive? Jesus, in fact, he's the only one who is able, who has the authority to forgive our sins. Why? Because he is God. Psalm 103.12 tells us, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Yet Jesus, knowing their thoughts, gives this reply. In verse 22, he says, why are you thinking this in your hearts? I love this. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he told the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. I tell you, get up. Think about this. Which is easier for us? To tell someone your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? If we're honest, we could do neither. Jesus can do both. And has the authority and power to do because he did it. See here, Jesus outclasses himself from every single person. He is God in the flesh. He is 100% God, 100% man. He is the son of man. The son of man, this messianic title showing his identification with those whom he came to save. See, he already illustrated his power over demons. His authority over nature now he shows he has the authority to forgive sins. See, the outward healing that Jesus does for this man was simply outward evidence of the inward healing that he had done in this man's heart. Because what good is a person who is healed outwardly but is not made inwardly whole? This is what Jesus does. He heals us. He forgives our sin. He makes us right with God the Father. And Jesus performs two miracles. He heals him inwardly and outwardly. Remember the words of Christ? Luke 5, 31 and 32 says this, It is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Christ has come to call sinners to repentance. The question for us that we can wrestle with a little bit, are we like the Pharisees or the man on the stretcher? The Pharisees are trying to point people to all sorts of different things. The man on the stretcher was desperate for one, Christ. That should be us as well. And what was the response of the Pharisees? Well, they rejected Jesus. 
And it was really from this point forward that they would work against the Lord. Eventually having a hand to play in his crucifixion as well. Their hearts were hardened towards Jesus. In fact, Christ says this about them in John 5. He says of the Pharisees and scribes, he says, You pour over the scriptures because you think you have eternal life in them. And yet they testify about me. You are not willing to come to me so that you may have life. Jesus is saying here, if you're willing to come to me, you will be forgiven. It's the same message we preach today. Come to Christ. Have your sins forgiven. Receive everlasting life. Be made whole. Because Jesus is still in the business of forgiving and healing. And this man and the sovereignty of God was healed both inwardly and outwardly. We may not always see people healed outwardly. But the greatest miracle that we should be rejoicing over all the time are hearts that have been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This man was lowered down one way and he leaves walking out the other. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the gospel? Behold, he makes all things new. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And this man is lowered down one way, paralyzed, broken, and yet he walks away healed and whole. If you're a Christian, that should be your testimony as well. That you were once blind, but now you can see. You were once broken, but now you've been made whole. You say, well, those men lower their friend down. They're, they're different. I mean, that's not me. I, I could never go through all that opposition to get someone to Christ. But if you had a family member who is in dire need of medical attention, if it was a husband, if it was a, a friend, if it was someone you love immensely and they needed medical help, you would move heaven and earth to get them the help they needed. You would spend any money you had. You would drive any car you needed to. You would undo any shame you have to go through. Why? Because you know if you don't get them the help they need, they may die. It should be the same heart we have for those who need to hear about Christ. That to be separated from Jesus is to be separated eternally in hell. But to be with him is to have eternal life with him. To be made whole. That's not overcomplicate the life of God calls us to. And maybe one person around us who needs Christ. And maybe two, let us point them to the one who can heal and forgive. I started off talking about George Lyle. And George Lyle loved Jesus. He loved Jesus so much that he was willing to go to any length to get the gospel to people. But George Lyle was also a disciple maker. And George Lyle led a man named Andrew Bryan to the Lord and discipled him. And Andrew Bryan was a man who loved Jesus as well. He followed in the same steps of George Lyle, except he stayed in the Americas. And in the 1700s, a man who was enslaved, Transformed by the gospel, Andrew Bryan said, you know what? We're going to plant a church. And he planted the first colored Baptist church in 1788. 
Reverend Brian began to preach the gospel over and over again to the broken, to those who needed Christ. No matter what they look like, slave or free, he preached the gospel and they told him, if you continue to preach the gospel, we will kill you. It's the same thing they told George Lyle when he went to Jamaica. Reverend Brian, though, is remarked by saying this in the 1700s, late 1700s. He says, I will freely suffer death for the cause of Jesus Christ. It's not saying that we have to make that same statement. But do we have the same desperation to say, Lord, whatever the cost in my giving Whatever the cost in my going, whatever it costs me in my praying, Lord Jesus, I want to point people to the healer who has healed me and who has made me whole. So Lord Jesus, use me that I may point others to the one who forgives. And maybe you find yourself feeling like you're that man on that stretcher as well. You're broken and need to be made whole. Christ calls you to come. Be forgiven and be made whole. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.